Welcome to The Greenhouse Effect. Our hope is that this podcast would be like a greenhouse to help you get unstuck and grow into your full potential because life ought to be fully lived. Welcome back, everybody. This is Steve Perkins, your host, and I'm here with Tommy Thompson, my co-host and resident teacher. Hello, everyone. And um, today we want to give a shout out to M. Gilliland 7 for leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much. Uh, it was really kind words and really fun to hear people's thoughts. So again, just a reminder that if you want to hear about a certain topic or you have a certain nagging question or even just want to yell at us and tell us how wrong we were about something, leave a review on iTunes and we'll get that or email us directly. I'm excited for today's episode. We're talking about what's holding us back from being our most effective selves in our lives and in our work and in our relationships. And today's answer is really all about the unrecognized skill that most of us miss. Right. And I think where this is so potentially powerful is if you figure if it's unrecognized, then it means that we might be actually accomplishing a lot less than we could and never know the reason why, never actually be aware of what's holding us back. So this has been a little bit of an aha moment uh, for me, even after all these years of of a practice that I've been shortchanging that has shortchanged my effectiveness. Yeah, as we were talking about that topic, I did realize myself that this is something that's almost so beneath the surface, it's almost invisible. It's like when we talk about this topic, everyone's going to go, oh, yeah, duh. It, it kind of right. makes a lot of practical sense. But until you bring it up intentionally as a thing, as a practice, as something to pay attention to, it can, it can just kind of slip by because we're going through life and we're, and we're running fast and we never actually have been taught or have stopped to think about this practice. Well, and I don't know virtually anyone, certainly not myself, but uh, of anyone who couldn't improve substantially just by creating a greater awareness in this area. So from the person that has miles to go to the person who is already very accomplished, just bringing the recognition to the forefront, I think could be very useful. I know it can be, and it's exciting to me because what we're about to talk about applies to every area of your life. Too. So it's one of these things, it's kind of a multiple effect. If you invest in getting better at this thing, it'll impact all kinds of areas of your life. Well, and one of the major learnings in this is the power of applying this principle that we're going to talk about outside of work, because we'll find that most all of us practice this to some degree in our work settings because we have to, uh -huh. because we have to be effective at some level, but we don't think about applying this same thought process to our personal lives, uh, whether it's personal development or relationships or many of the other things we'll talk about. So, so I don't know. Are you curious yet? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's give them the answer then. It, when it comes to what's holding us back from being the most effective, this unrecognized skill Clue us in. What is it? Well, I'm not going to, I'm going to 
bait this a little bit longer. Ah, man. So, so, uh, so here's where this came from. And brought this to idea you today by. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So this came as a result of listening to a podcast. I was listening to a podcast done with Tim Ferriss and Jim Collins. So if you don't know them, they're both geniuses in their various ways. Tim Ferriss has written multiple uh, books, The 4-Hour Work Week, The 4-Hour Body, The 4-Hour Everything. Uh (laughs) Uh, And he is one of the most masterful podcast interviewers out there. And then Jim Collins is one of the gurus today in terms of uh, business thought and business mastery and business strategy. So when I saw that the two of them were doing a podcast, I wanted to listen immediately. So I listened, and it was about a two-hour podcast. It went on and on, and I could not turn it off. Yeah. It had so much um, so much meat to it. What caught my mind was two offhanded comments that were made in in the podcast, one from each of them, one uh-huh. from Tim Ferriss and one from Jim Collins. Both of them, in an offhanded way, talked about the extreme amount of time that they had spent preparing for this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of them said they'd been spending the last week, I think, preparing for this podcast. You know, and I, it, it caught me in my tracks and went, I mean, we're doing podcasts, so I know a little bit about, about this. Uh-huh. But I thought, this guy who knows this and could talk about this stuff in his sleep spent week a week preparing for this that's an extraordinary amount of time preparing for a single podcast with everything that he has going on in his plate and right. same thing with Tim Ferriss doing the same thing and i thought there's something i'm missing here if these guys as excellent as they are as skilled as they are still give the priority to preparation that they do, then how much am I missing by underpreparing or not preparing at all for my typical day and the things that, that I'm doing within that day? And so that spurred the concept that we want to talk about of truly prioritizing preparation. Way to go, Tommy. Now everyone's tuning out of this and they're going to hop over to Jim. To Tim Ferriss's podcast, <laughs> they probably should. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so go ahead, head over. It's t- it's on Tim Ferriss's podcast that he interviews Jim Collins, and yeah. I would agree. And I, you know, something I noticed was there was not a single word in that episode that was fluff. Part of how you could see the preparation how shine through was every bit of that was valuable, and the whole episode, even though two hours long, I mean, that's long for a podcast. Um, I'm not even done with that episode yet, but every right. bit is packed full of goodness. As with a lot of podcasts, I was listening to it in the car, and I listened to the whole podcast. And I went, daggone, after listening to this whole thing, I've got to go back and listen to it at my desk because I've got to take notes. <laughs> yeah. There's so much here. I have to absorb it more. And that's, isn't that what we want? Yeah. You know, to have that type of effectiveness with each hour of our day. And so, so he got there. Uh, what, what it brought to my mind is uh, the quarterback for the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, who's uh-huh. a Richmonder. Uh, and his famous saying when he was excelling in his first couple of years as a quarterback, when 
everybody looked at him and said he couldn't possibly succeed at his height and with his skill level is he he kept on repeating after every single game to the to the media the separation is in the preparation the separation is in the preparation and the idea that he was getting is what's setting him apart what's enabling him to succeed when people said he couldn't is he is going to be 10 times more prepared than all of the competition right and it showed it showed in the way he played it showed in the way he was able to improvise which is what's so cool. So. Yeah, it's kind of the counterintuitive truth here that we'll get into more in a minute. Yeah. But uh, for someone like me who's not necessarily that attracted to preparation, it actually allows you to improvise better and to adjust to what happens in the moment better. And so um, there's multiple angles to this idea of preparation. But the first we want to touch on is the idea of preparing for the meeting. And not only if you're the one leading it, but preparing for the meeting even when you're not the leader. So why don't we dive into that one for a second? Yeah, and, and it's a great kind of uh, segue into, I think, one of the reasons that we uh, so undervalue preparation is that in our minds, we think that preparation is just for the leaders. So we excuse ourselves when we go into a meeting unprepared because we think, well, the only person that has to be prepared is the leader. (laughs) Uh And if the leader's prepared, then the rest of us can just shoot from our hips. The leader, meanwhile, is simply thinking, well, if I spend five minutes thinking about this, I'm already going to be ahead of everybody else because everybody's rushing into (laughs) this thing without giving it a moment's thought. And so we go into our meetings totally unprepared from the leader down. But what a difference it would make if we went into the meetings that we have, and there are all sorts of meetings that that would qualify like this, with forethought of thinking, how am I going to bring value? What's going to be happening in this meeting? What do I need to be thinking about before we ever go into the meeting so that I can actually make this meeting the absolute most it can be, even if I'm not the leader? Think about in our meetings that have six, eight people in them or 10 or whatever the case, how much more powerful they would be if each person went into that meeting having given it significant thought about what's being discussed and the importance of it. I think it would actually transform our meetings. So if we transform our meetings, imagine how we would transform our effectiveness. It's it's such an exciting thought because the more I get into personality types and um, archetypes of people and understanding a lot of that, it, it, the more these frameworks about meetings and how to run an effective meeting become kind of useless in my mind. Because you're essentially saying, well, this one, set of rules is going to apply to every person the same. And it's not true. Every human is different. And so the idea of even thinking through who am I meeting with, what do they need? What helps them to best understand or engage with what we're talking about? You know, what are they looking for? And to be able to kind of tailor to the people you're meeting with too. Again, that takes some forethought and some preparation, but man, it can make such a difference. Well, and even if you want to think about it from a very uh, self-interested perspective, 
for those people who are employees and feel like they're kind of getting lost in the crowd, what better way to separate yourself from those others that are just coming in without a lot of thought, without a lot of energy, by coming in prepared, you know, not to to brown nose the, the <laughs> yeah. person, but prepared to actually bring value to the table. And I think it's that's such a good point. It's probably worth calling out something in the kind of corporate America environment that always really got under my skin was that there's a notion of having an agenda and coming in with an agenda to a meeting and that being a positive thing. And I think because it, it was it, it stemmed from the idea of preparation originally. And then over time, I think it turned into this whole come in with what you want and how you're going to get it and try to force everyone to get your way. And, and so to me, it had this really bad taste in my mouth. Like, no, you can't collaborate effectively if everyone's coming in with their agenda and they're actually fixed on it. They're unwilling to move. <laughs> and, and we're kind of saying there's, that's not good, but there's a version of preparation that's almost 180 degrees from that that makes everything more effective and more helpful for everybody. All right, so preparing for the meeting is one element of how you can prioritize preparation. The next one is preparing for the day. Right, and what, what I like about this is the concept that we are an integrated human being so that life is more than just what we're doing at work. It's what we're doing throughout our day. And that if we begin to think about our day holistically, and if we think about preparing for the day, that goes so far beyond just what we're doing uh, when we're in our cubicle or doing whatever we're doing at work. It goes to all of the elements of the day. So one of the ways that I've seen this help me a lot is when it, when it comes to preparing for the day, I think about it in terms of visualizing the day. Hmm. Uh, which is maybe a little bit different, but because the day is going to go along for a while, uh, yes, I need to be prepared for each element within the day, but one of the things that's helpful for me is to visualize the various things that I know I'm going to be doing throughout the day. So I might be visualizing a meeting, and I'm thinking about that meeting, and I'm thinking about the people and I'm actually visualizing the people who are going to be at that meeting. And I'm visualizing them coming into it and what they're going to be thinking about. And, and so I'm, I'm actually walking through the entire process of what that meeting's going to be like. And then I might be visualizing a lunch that I'm going to have with a friend. And I'm thinking about the last time I was with that friend and what we talked about and what I've thought about since that time mm -hmm. and what might be helpful to discuss during that lunch. And I begin to think about each individual piece of the day and visualizing it almost like I'm doing a dry run yeah. through it. And then that gives me a sense as I'm going into it that I'm already ahead of the game. I'm, I'm already in advance of what we're going to deal with. And I can't tell you how many times in visualizing, uh, it might just be a breakfast with a friend or a, a coffee with a potential client. It's the things that I thought about in advance that I visualized that actually became 
uh, cornerstone to the value that was brought in that time, as opposed to coming in, even if I'm coming in in a relaxed way, but if I hadn't thought about things in advance. If you've ever had one of those interviews or meetings where you kind of only had one shot and then afterwards you're like, ah, kicking yourself, like I should have said that one thing or I should have said this differently and effectively preparing in the way you just said, it kind of allows you to avoid some of those oh, kicking absolutely. yourself. Yeah, it, it does. And it, and it, it relaxes you. It focus you, focuses you going into the meeting. It actually has so many different benefits that all amount to greater effectiveness. In fact, you know, one of the coaching kind of tactics for someone who's going into a situation where they're emotionally, it's going to be hard to talk about what they need to talk about. This is actually a, a tactic where you kind of prepare the first, you know, sentence or paragraph of what you're going to say because you can get those words right ahead of time and make sure, you know, it has the mo the right emotional tact. And then when you're in the situation, you know, everything after that can flow, but you've started out the right way. Right. And it can only happen if you prepare and think about those words when you're in a non-emotional state. So when you're in that tense moment, you can say the right thing. Well, and it's interesting. It, it's how we do these podcasts, really. I mean, it perhaps might come across like, we're just talking, you know, beforehand, we're going to prepare. We're going to think about what are some things that are worth, hopefully, saying, and how might we lead into that? We, we think about some of that, not that we script the podcast, right. but we have a sense of what's valuable as opposed to just hoping that we're going to come up with some things that are worth your listening to. Right. It allows us to cut some of the fluff out. And I love your idea of visualizing the day because it immediately made me think about um, theater when people do dress rehearsals or even in the military, they do this kind of dry run dress rehearsal idea where we simulate what's going to happen in, when the real time comes and we walk through it because there's things that will happen in walking through it that you never could have anticipated if you were just going through a, um, a more mental exercise. Well, I'm a fanatical golfer. I love golf. And uh, one golfer who took this to an extreme is Jason Day. And for a long time, uh, you would find the commentators, they would, they would focus the camera in on him. And before he hit his shot, when he was standing behind the ball, he would close his eyes. And it closed his eyes for about five seconds. And then it'd step up and it'd hit the shot. And what they, you know, after talking with him, they, they realized that he was visualizing exactly the shot. <laughs> uh -huh. He knew exactly what kind of bend, what kind of trajectory, what every aspect of the shot. And then it was just executing what he had already experienced in his visualization. And that's the idea behind this. Not that we have that type of control, but by visualizing that way, we have so much greater chance of that visualization becoming a reality. That's such a good example. Another one I remember is I went to a TEDx event. It was in a theater. And, you know, TEDx, I mean, they, they probably did lots of run-throughs. But there's one thing they missed because I was sitting up in the third balcony, like way up in the nosebleeds. And the event starts and the first speaker turns their slides on. And I'm going, oh, no the upper half of their slide was cut off. 
And I'm thinking, oh, poor, oh, this is so bad because they're in the middle of the talk and, you know, the projector isn't working or something with the slides is going wrong. And then after, you know, the buzz starts and people are kind of commenting up in the balcony, we realize, no, it's not the projector or the slides. It's that we're so high up that one of the curtains that hangs from the ceiling was blocking the upper half of the slides from our view. And immediately, being the nerd I am, I started thinking about, ah, there's the power of dress rehearsal. No one had walked up and sat in the seat that I was going to sit in. And so why would they ever have thought of that? In dress rehearsals, they were just sitting down on the regular level. And so they never were able to kind of preemptively plan out for that scenario. It's a great example. And going back to Russell Wilson, he bought a ticket to the Super Bowl the year before his team went there because he actually wanted to go and experience every part of what that would be like to be ahead of the game so that he knew what the sound of the crowd would feel like, what the difference in the timing, (laughs) because they take a little bit longer for timeouts and a little bit longer for halftime. That was the degree that he bought a ticket and went to the Super Bowl a year ahead, all in preparation for the possibility that he might be there one day. Boom. The separation is in the preparation. (laughs) No, that's really cool. I didn't know that. So all of those are maybe extreme examples, but you get the point. We're talking about prepare for the meeting, prepare for the day. And now the third one is maybe one you haven't thought about. It's prepare for the relationship. Yes, but I do want to go back for just a second. Okay. Prepare for the relationship. Let's do that and then I'll edit. I'll do the transition again. Okay. So... The, the key is, uh, those might be extreme examples. The real power comes to bringing it to your life and to my life. Uh, you know, I'm ordinary. Probably, if you're listening to this, you're probably ordinary too. The power is if we actually begin to operate like the Russell Wilsons. If we begin to operate on that level, that it begins to separate us. So I... It's, it's the degree to which people think, well, only the elite practice these types of things. No, this is actually life-changing for us in our everyday, ordinary lives. And that's what I want to hopefully bring home, that even as I listened to this and began to practice it myself, I went, wow, I thought I was pretty good at preparing. I am not even scratching the surface. (laughs) Yeah, it's good. And it it makes me think that you can implement it right away. I mean, I'm going to, I'm actually going to practice this, leaving this recording session and going home. I'm going to practice it in terms of preparing to enter back into kind of family life after a work day. And, you know, that actually leads to our third point about preparation, which is How can you not only prepare for the meeting and prepare for the day, but how can you prepare for the relationship? Well, gosh, our life is made of relationships. (laughs) The very best of life is found in relationships. But we kind of forget about that all the time. Exactly. It's the place that we so often plan the least, that we prepare for the least. And that has so much opportunity uh, to transform our lives, our happiness, our joy, uh, our families, uh, our friendships. Take a pick anywhere along the lines. And if we began to prepare for our relationships, 
to begin to begin to think about the time that you might have with your spouse tonight, to think about what is your mood and demeanor going home? Is that what you really want it to be like? Is that the best that you're going to bring for the best people in your life? Those are the types of things that, again, can transform our effectiveness, if you want to use that word for it, uh, at, at home. Well, it's a good good point, because on a serious note, uh, every time you hear these stories of kind of people on their deathbed or reflecting back on life, it's almost never about all the things we put so much focus on. Almost always, if not every time I've heard those kind of stories, the thing people say reflecting back was the most important or that they wish they would have paid more attention to was relationships. It's always about those relationships. So why not be intentional and put more effort in on the, you know, earlier on until versus waiting until we're looking back regretting. Well, and here's, here's a sad fact that I think too many of us would have to admit to is that those that we love the most get the worst of us. Mm, yeah. That has a lot of truth in it. <laughs> it. It is. And it's really terrible. And it's because they get the leftovers of us. They get the leftovers of our emotion, the leftovers of our energy, the leftovers of our preparation. We don't give nearly to our relationships what we give to the other parts of our life. And so if we began to change that equation and and work to at least give it the preparation that it's due, give it the energy and the time and the heart that it's due, how much that would uh, help things. So what are some practical examples of how that might look? Because this one's a little harder to visualize. What would preparing for the relationships look like? Well, I think it could look like a, a lot of different things. I'll, I'll throw out just some a few okay. random examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I think that uh, when you're coming home, taking a moment or two to decompress before you walk in the door, intentionally decompressing because you want to actually prepare to give your family the best. So that that would be a form of preparation is actually intentionally decompressing. I think a, a great place for reflection is asking yourself questions about relationships. You know, what are five things that I could do to be a better husband than I am right now? That's a form of preparation. We don't often ask those questions about our personal lives and our relationships that we're prone to ask about our careers. Right. Another version of that, let's call it with your spouse, could be, hey, what's something I could do different that would be really helpful for you? Exactly. I mean, how many of us, when I first heard that question and I was trying to implement it, it felt almost physically painful to ask it because it was so unusual and awkward, but how, how powerful that is. I mean, like you said, the person who's most important to us, um, I'm not necessarily asking for feedback like I do at work, you know, And, and to just say, Hey, you know, what's something you would really appreciate or that would be helpful to you? Or what's something I've been doing that's bugging you and I could do different, you know, just an honest question like that. Well, exactly. And it comes, what comes to my mind is the definition of insanity, 
doing the same thing and hope, hoping for different results. And that's what, you know, too often we do is we just keep on coming home the same way with the same mindset. So, you know, who cares if it feels awkward? Oh, I I was talking to a business owner who had been working with his coach on this concept of, hey, I'm, you know, crushing it at work. Home is kind of struggling. You know, what's going on? How can we improve this? And his coach recommended and worked with him to build an actual, um, what do you want to call it? A ceremony, a routine, uh, right. you know, a kind of set of things he would do before he left work and on the way home. And it included really practical things. I love this, like, um, changing into a different color shirt. It was something like that where, you know, there was a, a physical trigger that he did when he got home first thing, every time to kind of signal to himself and remind himself like, Oh yeah, now I'm transitioning out of all that stuff that happened at work and I'm intentionally giving my best to my family. That's, that's just such a great coaching tip, man. Yeah. I, I love that <laughs> I because that, that is making physical what preparation is about. So, you know, if we began to look at the totality of our lives and prepare, you know, just slowly, but very intentionally prepare for the various things in our lives from the meetings to visualizing the day to preparing for the relationships, if we actually just became much more prepared people, uh, I don't think it would actually take away from the spontaneity of life. I think it would empower the spontaneity of our life. That's so good. I mean, if you're like me listening to this, this conversation is fascinating and kind of provokes a lot more questions. So um, as we've been saying, please put those questions into the reviews on iTunes or email us directly because we'd love to kind of um, have that conversation and address those in future episodes. But for now, we've talked about a number of practical things that you can try to implement something. So Tommy, what's, um, what's the challenge that we want people to give a try? Okay, well, even though we prepared well for this podcast, I'm changing my mind from oh. what, what, what I <laughs> thought about when we discussed it earlier. I, I think actually the great practical tip would be uh, prepare for walking in the door after work. Uh, so think specifically. For each person, it's going to be very different because your home circumstances, you might you know, be in an apartment with friends. Uh, you might actually be in an apartment by yourself, and it's it's the question of what are you going to do when you walk in the door by yourself? Or you might be married, whatever the circumstance, to give some very uh, thorough thought to how could you prepare for that in a very uh, tactical way to make that walking across the threshold the most effective it can be. Here at Greenhouse Effect, we are big fans of our friends at Belay Solutions, a company that provides incredibly top-notch virtual staffing. They actually provide us with executive assistance, but they also staff bookkeepers, web specialists, and social media managers. And the thing is, their customer experience is just incredible, and they have a way of finding just the right people for your needs. So we want to give you a taste of what it's like to work with Belay from one of their clients, Dave Richards, the CEO of Elite Performance Associates. Belay saved me when I was focused on growing my business. You know, I can think of recently, um, I was working with a high profile, uh, you know, federal government agency on a conference for them. 
and it had a lot of moving parts. You know, my VA allowed me to confidently let go of all of those things and just focus solely on preparing content and delivering a high value program to the client. Belay follows up with me, how can I give more? This constant prodding of, you know, how do you, how can we help you more? How can we pull more from your plate so that you can do, you know, what you're meant to do and what you're best at? If you resonate with any of this and want more information, go to belaysolutions.com slash next step. The link is also in the show notes, and we've partnered with Belay to give you $200 off your startup fees. Tommy, bring us home with a book reco. All right. Well, since we are on a football theme, uh, the the book recommendation that I have is Halftime by Bob Buford. Uh huh. So the the book uses kind of the analogy of a sporting event and the importance of halftime, that time where you stop playing and you prepare and you adjust for the second half. So the subtitle of it is uh, moving from success to significance. Mm -hmm. And the idea, again, is going through a very detailed process, which Bob Buford is great, of asking questions that can help you to think about the second half of your life. So even if you're younger than you might think that this would be helpful, uh, it's still a very thought-provoking book about uh, how life can be a move from success to significance. So Halftime by Bob Buford. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe and come on, do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It'll help others find the show too.